This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. everybody. Hi, who was that? Oh, hey. How are you, Jacob? Oh, that's loud. I'm wonderful. Couldn't be any better. You love me? I love you more, Michael. How many, uh, how many days of school do you guys have left? Two? Wow. How many for you? Five. Okay. Are you guys excited for summer? Ready for it? A real summer? One not like last summer? Who's got, who's got big plans this summer? What are, what are your big plans? Hmm? Stay inside? Huh? I am going to work. I am going on vacation. That's in August. Panama City Beach. I'll probably sit on the beach. Yeah. I don't plan on, yeah, and chocolates, yeah, all the good stuff, yeah, I'll be there twice this summer, it's just, it's a special kind of breed, huh, do I look like one, mm, no, I brick them, I played soccer, if that tells you anything, I'd can't play basketball. <laughs> well, I'm super, super excited for tonight. I think it's going to be, hey, shut up. Yeah, sure. I'm super excited. Um, but going into this, I was going to tell a little story about you guys may not know this about me, but I was, I was homeschooled until I was in, mm, like, fourth grade. So I was homeschooled for a little bit. And I went from being this kid who was at home all the time. I was learning from my mom. I felt super comfortable about everything. I never stepped foot into a public school. And 
none of just nothing happened in my life that was like slightly resembled what like public school was. Um, so going into public school, it sounded like super cool. Like I was really excited because I thought, oh, I'm gonna have all these all these friends and all these people around me, and I get to go to school. I get to wake up and go somewhere. I don't have to have my mom like teaching me how to do math and all this stuff. I'm yeah, exactly. Whatever. But to say the very least, it wasn't cool at all going into public school my first year. Um, just like, just think back for a minute of like when you were in grade school, maybe fourth, fifth grade, and how you felt or um, like what life was like at the time. Because I think a lot of times, like public school, um, especially at that age, you kind of have this feeling of angst all the time. It's like an awkward time. It's like we're always, we always feel kind of awkward. All that, all the fun stuff that comes with being that age and being in public school. Well, I was in fourth grade. It was public school for the first time. I was full of angst and awkwardness and feeling weird. And I was like the new kid in town, basically. And everybody around me was already best friends. Like everywhere I looked, those guys were already friends. They already had their group. So I was a I felt like an outsider. I wasn't I was actually not in a really good place like emotionally at the time, but I just didn't know it cuz I was young and I just felt like this was awkward and maybe this is how it's supposed to feel. And it probably took me almost that entire school year before I even had like my group of friends, before I could really find a group of friends. And before I made any of these new friends, I'd make all these, like, I'd try to be cool and do all these things to make myself have these friends. Like, I'd go out on the playground and I'd pick up, like, cigarette butts off the ground and pretend I was smoking them on the playground, you know. I was just trying to be cool, man. I thought that's what us cool public school kids did, but I was way wrong. I was like a weird homeschool kid, but it's okay. But... um. For many, many months, like, leading up to before I had any, like, a group of friends, I just felt uncomfortable everywhere I went. No matter where I went, I felt uncomfortable. I always felt like when I was walking up and down the halls that everyone was kind of looking at me, like, there's that new kid. There's that kid who was homeschooled. Look at him trying to be friends with us. Um, so everyone, everyone, I felt like everyone would look at me, but nobody actually, like, knew me at all. And I wasn't really good at sports, so to answer your question, Ethan, no, I'm not a hooper. Um, I wasn't that outspoken of a person at all. I was kind of shy. No. No, I didn't do anything, man. I was boring. And I wasn't, I wasn't good at anything, okay? Hmm? You think I had a girlfriend? I didn't have friends. I was just, I was like simply just the new kid whenever I was there. Yeah, new kid on the block. It felt like everybody was just observing everything that I did, deciding if they were going to allow me in or not. It kind of felt like I was, like I was at the zoo, but I was one of the animals. Like I was behind the cage. I was in the zoo and everybody was just watching me, but nobody was actually there like with me in it. So you may, you may have never been 
homeschooled, but I'm sure you can like kind of relate to this feeling of like what it feels like whenever you're new in a situation or you maybe you moved somewhere, you moved from a different town to here or from a new school to here, and it's just it's just this weird feeling of being the new person. And just think back, even just think back a little bit to when everything changed for you guys and everything went online. Like everything was online. There were, a lot of th- there were a lot of things that made that like a little awkward and difficult. And one of them was being, and probably the hardest thing about all of it was like not getting to be in the same place together. Like you weren't with your friends, you didn't get to learn with them, you didn't get to go to school with them, have them in class, see them in the hallways, you were just on your own. And it was probably like super weird to be in class while you're, sitting at your table or sitting in your bed or doing whatever you did, but you weren't really in class. Like, we were just on this big old Zoom call. And in my last semester of college, I got it very briefly. COVID hit, like, right at the end of college, and they didn't really know what to do yet for me, so they just kind of threw it up in the air and said you graduated. But, huh? Yeah. Lincoln Christian University. It's in Lincoln, Illinois. Sure. Yeah, you'd love it. It's a lot of fun. So in my last semester of college, I had to be on Zoom a little bit those last few weeks. And sometimes it felt like I was just like this invisible person on the screen. Like nobody was, we were just blending into the background until somebody called on me to finally speak. They said, Morgan, it's your turn. And then all of a sudden after you had kind of like zoned out after somebody had called you to speak, you know, you're, everyone's waiting for you to unmute your thing, and you've just been sitting there, and you completely forgot what was going on. Like, it was just kind of a weird, awkward feeling, and maybe you guys had experienced something like that before when you were in a Zoom class. It was just this this weird feeling of kind of, like, being unnoticed, just, just like whenever I had started public school. And after a couple weeks on Zoom, a few times of us doing it, we had got kind of comfortable, and... You guys probably did, too. You ended up getting more comfortable with the way things were. It wasn't that big of a deal anymore. It may not have been fun, but you started to get it. And I don't know about your classes, but in my college classes, people would just start to shut their mics off or turn their video off and just they attended the class, but we all know they just opened their computer and sat there and probably went off and did something else, like went to the bathroom or showered or slept. I slept a couple times during classes. But then but then I started to, I started to wonder like a little bit after all this time of it's being so easy to just shut it off and be there but not be there. And I started to wonder like so if I turn this mic and this video off and no one in the entire class even noticed, like the teacher didn't notice, nobody noticed, then does it really, like, even matter if I'm on this call at all? And I think we've all wondered something similar to this before, maybe on a bigger scale, though. Like, you start to think of, like, does it even matter if I'm really here? Like, does anyone care what I think? Or does anyone even notice what I have to say? And sure, there there are sometimes, there's going to be times when we feel like the center of the universe or 
We feel like we should be the center of the universe based on what's going on. Like, we feel like the world should revolve around us every once in a while. Like, if we need a ride to practice, then everybody should stop what they're doing and make sure that we get there. And I think you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're almost ready to drive, though. You got that truck. You like it? Yeah. So we think the world should revolve around us sometimes. Why are we clapping? (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. So maybe, maybe every once in a while we feel like the world should revolve around us. And if we're being honest, it can be really easy to feel like we are the center because it's your life, right? Like this is what's going on in your world. It's most of the time it's what we notice. But then there are a few times where we feel like the opposite, where we don't feel like the center of the universe. We feel like nobody notices us at all. Maybe you look around at that, that friend's party that you got invited to, and it wasn't just that you got invited. It was like the friend told you you had to be there. You had to come. You need to be there. We want you there. You're going to be awesome. You have to come. It's going to be so much fun. But then that friend didn't say a single word to you when you were there. Or maybe you're at that party and you just had to be there and you just feel like, I feel like I could just, sl- just slip out the back door and nobody would even notice. Like, what, why am I even here? Or maybe your parents won't, your parents won't stop bragging about your brother or your sister, about how good they are at athletics or a certain sport or what they scored on their SAT score. But then you sit there and you feel like, You don't ever hear them saying anything about you. They never really talk about you. And it may not be your friends or your family. It could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be a coach, a teacher, or for some of us, it's a combination of every one of them. But when we we don't feel seen or valued by people in our lives, it starts to make us feel like we don't matter at all. Like we have no worth. Whenever we, whenever we feel like we're overlooked or we're ignored, it's, it's so easy to just become discouraged or just outright feel numb about life. You start thinking, like, if nobody's listening, then why even bother speaking? If nobody's paying attention, then it really, really doesn't matter what I do, right? I'll just do what I want because nobody really cares. Whenever we feel like we don't matter, it takes, it, it takes the passion and the excitement out of life. Like we don't feel like we're thriving in life. We're just surviving. And nobody wants to feel that way. I can guarantee that. But it's, it's more than that, though. It's, it's possible that we have people in our lives that do tell us we matter. For a lot of us, we do parents, grandparents, coaches, but we don't really believe them. And I fall into this category a lot. Like I'm someone who, I have plenty of people around me who tell me you do great or tell me you're doing this fine, but it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around it being true because I don't think, I don't think it about myself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're going to make me cry. This is emotional. 
just think about it, though. Like, you may have somebody in your life that is always there supporting you, but whenever it's all up here and it's all mental, it can take that completely away. Like, there are parents, they're supposed to say that, right? Or, that's our coach, he just wants me to perform well. Like, he just wants me to play well because he's my coach. So we hear this message a lot. This message of, or maybe you never hear it at all. But believing we matter is a lot, it's a lot harder than it looks. But I think the good news is, is that, is that tonight we're going to get to talk about someone who was, like, really familiar with these kind of feelings. Like, felt the same exact way. And what we learn from her life can be, I think, a game changer for our life when we apply it in the right way. So in this series, this afterlife series, um, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. It's like the biggest, most celebrated thing ever for Jesus' followers, right? The time where he showed the world that he was exactly who he says he is. He showed the world that he conquered death. And he's bigger and better than we could ever imagine. More specifically, though, we're talking about people who encountered Jesus and his resurrection and had this different afterlife after encountering it. Their afterlife changed so much while they were still here on earth right now. Today we're going to talk about a woman named Mary and her experience with Jesus before and after the resurrection. So when, when we look at the New Testament and the Gospels in particular, we see a lot of people, a lot of women named Mary. Like it's a super common name. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Then when Jesus was dying on the cross, there were actually two other Marys that were written about, that were mentioned. And one of them was Mary Magdalene. And the truth is there's actually like a lot that we don't know about her. Like we don't know a lot about Mary Magdalene. But one thing that we do know for absolute sure is that she was an absolute committed follower of Jesus. In fact, her name is mentioned more than any other woman who wasn't in Jesus' family. So she's a big deal when we talk about Jesus. The Gospels mentioned her like 12 different times. And Luke tells us this story that she traveled with Jesus and helped support his ministry financially. Like she actually helped fund it. And he also mentions that Mary had like seven demons that were driven out of her. And it sounds insane, but basically what this means is that she was an absolute outcast before Jesus healed her. So I think we can, you know, we can safely say that Mary understood exactly what it meant to be ignored and overlooked by the people around her because she was. Like no one around her wanted anything to do with her. They thought she was diseased, they thought she was sick, and they thought she was evil. But Jesus came and completely changed that. But here's exactly why we're talking about her today. All four of the Gospels recorded that Mary Magdalene was there when Jesus was actually put on the cross. Three of the four say that she was there at the burial of Jesus. And all four say that she was the very first one to see Jesus resurrected. So the disciples get a lot of credit when we talk about Jesus and his loyal followers. Like we talk about the disciples all the time. But when we look at the Gospels, there was actually no other disciple around in these big moments as much as Mary was. So we should pay attention to one of the people who actually genuinely knew Jesus best. 
that she was always by his side when it mattered. But Mary doesn't, she doesn't really get a lot of attention. In a lot of ways, she lived on the sidelines. And if you don't really pay like that very much attention to what you're reading, you may completely miss her. It just sounds like a bunch of women named Mary who no one can really keep track of, and we're just going on and on. And you definitely, you don't get the sense that she was a major player in the story, but she was. The Gospel of John records that while it was still dark, Mary had got up and went to the tomb to go visit it. But as a lot of us already know, when she got there, the stone had been removed and the tomb was empty. And, but Mary didn't immediately think, oh, he's gone, like Jesus is alive. That wasn't her first thought. No, she actually assumed that someone had came and messed with the tomb and moved the body. So she went straight to Peter to tell him what she saw, and then they started running back to the tomb to go see it. And sure enough, Mary was right. The stone was completely gone. The body was gone. And all that was left was just Jesus' grave clothes that they had put him in. And the other disciples left to go tell the others, but Mary stayed where she was, right by the tomb. She didn't move. It was almost as if like the sadness of losing a friend wasn't enough. Now there was this added trauma of the body being moved and taken away and not given the proper burial that it deserved. And John writes this, and this is pretty long, so stick with me. Now Mary stood outside of the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this point, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. So on the day that Jesus defeats death, proving that God's love is bigger and stronger than anything else, he makes sure that Mary was there to see it. And this was actually a really, really big deal because at this time, like in the first century when Jesus lived, a woman was not seen as a reliable witness. Like women were pretty lowly in this time. Like if a woman claimed something, they wouldn't believe her. She couldn't testify in court and her word was just, it just wasn't trusted, especially not trusted over a man's word. And yet, over and over and over again in the Gospels, at the cross, at the tomb, it was a woman who Jesus saw first, who recognized him, and who was given the job of getting to tell everyone else what had happened. So when the rest of the world saw women as unreliable, inferior, untrustworthy, Jesus saw something completely different. He valued them, and he elevated them, 
even when the rest of the world did the exact opposite. Jesus made the decision to, to trust Mary with his resurrection. He knew Mary, and he called her by her name. He didn't say just woman. He said Mary. He chose her to be the first person to get to share the good news of his resurrection. While others had made you know, assumptions about Mary because of her gender, her past, or anything else that would have written her out of the story, Jesus wrote her in as a super major character in his resurrection. Jesus made sure that Mary knew that she had value and that her word could be trusted. When the world was sending Mary one message, Jesus was sending a completely different one. And if Mary wondered who she could believe, the resurrection of Jesus gave Jesus all the credibility in the world. So no matter what the messages were, no matter what others had been saying or been giving Mary, no matter what the messages that we may be getting, whatever someone is telling you to believe, because of the resurrection, we can take what Jesus says seriously. And Jesus said that Mary mattered. Think of it this way. Because of the resurrection, Mary knew that she mattered. Jesus coming back from the dead proved Jesus was exactly who he said he was and that his words mattered. And that morning, he spoke words that tell us about Mary's value and her worth. In a culture where Mary would have heard again and again that she wasn't enough, that she didn't have any credibility, and that she should just stay on the edges where she belonged, off on the sidelines, Jesus made sure the messages that she got from him were completely different. And the same is, is true for you and me every single day. You see, just, just like Mary mattered to Jesus, so do you. When he said her name, he said your name too. He said the name of the people who feel overlooked, the name of the people who feel unseen or forgotten every single day. He said the name of the people who feel like our part in the story doesn't matter or doesn't even exist. Because of the resurrection, Mary knew that Jesus, Mary knew that what Jesus said could be taken seriously. She knew it for an absolute fact. Once she saw him come back to life, what is, it, what is there that you can't trust anymore from him? She experienced Jesus' words firsthand and what he did firsthand, and then she passed on the good news to the rest of the disciples. And we get to celebrate Jesus coming back. We get to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and get to celebrate him coming back to life because of Mary. Because Mary carried that message forward and shared it with Jesus' followers. But this is, this is the message that I want you guys to get. I want you to carry it with you for the rest of the night, rest of the week, whatever it is. If you don't listen to anything else, get this. It's that you are, you are seen, that you are known, you are loved, and you are important. And even more than that, I'm not just saying it, Jesus says it. Like, Jesus says so. And we can trust what he says. And like I said earlier, Jesus said that Mary mattered. And because he says that, he says that you matter. He says the person next to you matters, and the person next to them matters. When we live like that's true, our lives look completely different. When you live like your life matters, 
you live in a completely different way. And the lives of people that we know and interact with look different too. I want you to just, just think about how you treat yourself and others. Just real quick. Ask yourself some of these questions. Just answer them in your head. Think about this. Do you believe that you matter? Do you treat yourself like you matter? Do you allow other people to treat you as if you don't matter? Do you treat others as if they matter? Are there people that you treat like they don't matter? Are there people that you treat like they matter more than you do? And what would it look like to start treating yourself and others like Jesus did? Like they actually matter? Starting today, not next year, not when you get it figured out, but treating people and treating yourself like you matter now. Just think what would, what would change in your life if you, if you really, really believe that you matter to God. And because of that, that the people around you matter as well. They're not just people that you pass by every day. They're not insignificant. Because just like you, they want to matter, and they do. Just think, would you, would you be more confident if you believed that you mattered to God? Would you be more intentional in your relationships with the people around you? Would you care less about what others say about you? I just want you to think about what could actually change in your life right now if you really, really believed that you mattered to God. See, because of the resurrection, Mary knew that she mattered, and her afterlife looked completely different. But make sure that you understand this. Because of the resurrection, you can know that you matter too, and your life can look completely different than it does now. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for each and every person in this room. I just pray over them that as we go forward into our lives and our day-to-day lives, that we don't get stuck in the exhaustion and feeling like we don't matter or forgetting that we matter because of life and everything that goes on in it, Lord. I just, I pray that each person in this room understands how much they're valued, that they're loved by you, and that they actually genuinely matter. They're not insignificant. They're not worthless. They're not valueless. They're full of value. And in your eyes, they're loved more than anything, Lord. I just pray that we would get that, that we would carry it forward, and in turn it would change our lives, and that we would treat other people just the way that you treat them.